Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Well, I would say you can be seated, but I don't know where you are. Um, you guys are welcome to make your way off the stage. And as they make their way off the stage, um, I will welcome you again. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Um, as you are maybe getting a picture of now, uh, we've got a little bit of water in the building, and that's just okay. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, sometimes Advent is a thing you wait and anticipate for a big moment, for a big thing. It's a child shaking the presents under the tree. It's, it's all of the things of anticipation and waiting. And uh, for us, that's this season. That's what this service represents for so many people is we put the effort and the time into having a choir and the, just the right songs and just the right message. And there are times when things don't go just right. And that's all the more reason we need grace. And so as you're uh, watching this and as we're experiencing it in the room, um, I, one of our elders, Terrence, I was talking to different people trying to figure out what to do just a few hours ago. And uh, he made the, the comment that that first Christmas with Mary and Joseph didn't quite go so easily either, did it? Uh, the idea being that Mary and Joseph went and, and found no room in the inn and ended up in a stable. And from that humble beginning came this incredible time where we celebrate the arrival of our Savior. And so uh, maybe this year is one of those reminders for us that from a humble beginning, uh, from a humble place, from a, uh, a little bit of a disaster area, that there might be something beautiful coming and there might be something that we will never forget about the way that God, even in our mess, meets us, joins us, and actually makes things beautiful. So um, if that could be that, maybe that's where uh, we're going today. Uh, what we intended to do and what we're still going to aim to do here is, is our whole December, we've been using these pop songs, these various things you've heard on the radio or things that just kind of come on in, uh, in Walmart as you're shopping and you hear it in the background as our Christmas series. We've been using them as a way to illustrate how um, maybe our culture's gotten it wrong, but how there may be a shred of truth or there may be something we need to learn or something we need to pull and, and reroute ourselves into to real truth. This is... Uh, been a lot of fun. It's been a journey through various songs. We've had George Michael on the screen twice, which is uh, twice too many. And um, what you may be wondering is, where is that most important song for the holiday season? Where is that song, unlike any other song, where's the one you've been waiting for? Because I don't know about you, um, there is one song you cannot escape, no matter who you are, no matter how hard you try, no matter what station you listen to or where you shop, this song will find you. Um, and so you knew it was coming, I knew it was coming, and I, People said they wouldn't do it on Christmas Eve. People said you wouldn't put this on on Christmas Eve. Who are those people? Mostly just my wife. But we are going to do it. And so, uh, Anne, why don't you hit the video? I don't want a lot for Christmas. Come to you 
I'm so sorry that you had to endure that. Um, I haven't, I literally have in my notes, and I'm sorry I wrote this, this song blows all the others out of the water. But considering the state of our church at the moment, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Um, if you would, and will you put up that graphic, how I meant it this way, that this song is so much more played than any other song, um, and so all I want for Christmas is a mute button, is what it is, because over time, and this was last year, over time, this song just gets played more and more and more. This is a song that's 25 years old now and knocked Taylor Swift out of the number one spot on the charts again this year because every year the song hits number one. I don't totally get it. It's fine. Um, it's sort of like mainlining a candy cane. It, it's just all this bubbly excitement, and it's essentially Mariah Carey saying she would give up every part of Christmas because all she wants is her love. In this way, as we make the leap to what is this really about, in this way, this song is actually really about longing. What is she after? She's longing for her love in this place, in this time. It's a season of longing, and that's, that's actually accurate. That's actually some truth. This is a season of longing for us. And, and the early, uh, before Jesus, the early Jews who were waiting for the Messiah, they were longing for rescue. They were longing for a path out of oppression. We long for the reintroduction of Jesus into our lives. We long for Jesus to again become the sinner. We long for this season for a whole different reason, to remind us of who we are and why we are. And, and it's a season of hopefulness and imagination of what can be. I think the people in the time of, of Jesus, we have to consider they were under foreign occupation. They were oppressed and hundreds of years removed from the prophecies of a Savior coming. Hundreds of years between the last prophecies that there might be a Savior on the way, guys, and anything actually happening. And so I don't know about you, I lose hope after like, you know, if, if I go to a restaurant and they say it's going to be 20 minutes for a table and it's been 25, I'm out. Like I'm just giving up. They had waited hundreds of years for their Savior and generation after generation came, lived, died, and, and there was no Messiah. And so the longing was there, people longing for a Messiah. And so you can imagine how overwhelmed they were when he arrived. And so all I want for Christmas is a song about longing, and the question we have to ask ourselves is, in this season, what do we long for? What's the thing we really long for? It's easy to start with gifts. You remember, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. When you grew up in the 80s, there was a thing that came in the mail, and every year it would show up in the mail, and it was the thing that meant Christmas was coming. You got out a, a black felt-tip marker, and you took the Sears catalog, the wish book. We'll put it, yeah, that's the one. And what we would do is circle all the things we wanted. This was a 400-page book of every toy on earth. It was designed to create longing. Kids and toys inside, but it was for parents, too. Look at the cover of the, the catalog. For parents, look how lovely those parents are. They are so perfect and so happy. Their children woke up with perfectly done hair and matching pajamas, and everybody was happy because mom and dad bought the right thing. Your family can look like that too if you'll just buy the right stuff. No one's cranky or sleepy or rude. There's no longing left in that home. All I want for Christmas is a song that when you hear it, I hope you hear it differently. I hope it reminds you now that, and this is maybe a harsh way to say it, but that song houses Christmas in the prison of our own wants and desires. That puts us back into a place of simple wants and desires instead of the capital L longings we were created for. 
And so the danger is that focusing on our longings cheapens what's really happening around us. Focusing on the thing I'm hoping is under the tree or the, the present I've been really wanting, or, or even, even as, as parents or grandparents, Sometimes we long for the right reaction for the generosity we're trying to show. Sometimes we buy a thing or we give a gift or we, we show generosity and, and what we're longing for is the gratification or the response of the person we're giving it to. Like that shifts from kids wanting it. Sometimes as we get older, we want people to have a certain reaction and when that doesn't happen, there's a certain deflation there too. If we're not careful, Christmas becomes about gifts and lights and Mariah Carey jiggling around in the snow. If that's the whole thing, what we have to be careful of is if that's the whole thing, if we kind of do an inventory of what is Christmas about to me, what am I longing for, what am I excited about, if it's just those things, and that's where it's ending, then it's empty. It's no other different season than any other holiday or any other birthday or any other gift giving. It's, it's, it's not different. It's like a church, well, I was going to say like a church on Monday morning, maybe a church on Christmas Eve. There's this emptiness in a thing that when it's not being used for what it's designed for. You come into a church building on a Monday morning and it's quiet, it's dark, and this season it's cold. You will find discarded coffee cups under every other row from people who forgot that they had it, kicked it, spilled it, didn't realize it, and left. There's pens and papers, there's an occasional you know, nice mug or something somebody left behind. They'll call about it later. But really, it's just this space that no longer feels like it has a purpose. And it's a good reminder to me every week when I come back through here that if church is about the show we put on on Sunday morning, then it's pretty worthless. Because we have six other days a week, and really we have 167 other hours of the week that we aren't worshiping Jesus if this is the only place it happens. So come back to Christmas as a time of longing. I would want to say it this way. Our longings aren't bad. Our longings aren't bad. Sometimes people get this, this feeling like he's shaming me, he's guilting me. Something's wrong with what I want. Your longings aren't bad. But our longings are broken. God has wired you for certain longings. He has created a yearning inside of you for love or for hope or for joy. He's, he's created that in you. But when, when sin enters the world and we're broken, when the thing goes sideways, our longings get twisted just, a, just enough that we're about something less. We stop short of God-sized desires and we settle for lesser longings, dim reflections of the real thing. Mariah Carey just wants her love back in her life. She wants lowercase l, love. She wants love. Who doesn't want love? But we were wired for a greater love, for, for no greater love than this, some might say. There's a greater longing there that if we, if we allow it to be the lesser thing, we miss the whole. We miss the thing we were created for. You long for something profound and beautiful. You long for something sacred in a throwaway world. You long for inner peace when all you feel is chaos. You long for hope when it looks like there's none left. You long to be known and loved, and you are not alone in that. In uh, maybe my favorite kid-friendly Christmas movie, Home Alone is is just the one that keeps coming on in my house. Maybe because I have kids that are about the right age for it, and it just, it's sort of evergreen. It lasts, and, and every time you see it, you know what's coming next, and you still sort of 
you, you jump in and get into it. It, it, was, it occurred to me the last time we watched uh, the first movie. Home Alone 2 is pretty good. It's a lot more violent and kind of makes my stomach turn. Home Alone 1, though, in the first movie, you'll remember, Kevin is, is prepared his house. He's kind of like, whew, he has a lot to do, and he's terrified of the burglars, and his parents are far away, and he is home alone. And he's walking down these kind of abandoned suburban Chicago streets. And he looks over to his left, and what does he see? He sees something sacred. And I think there's in that a picture of the longing for something greater. I actually think the next time you see this movie, I want this to be the reminder for you in the season that you have a longing for something greater. No matter what the battle you're in, there's something greater happening. I'm going to have Robert uh, play that clip, and you can watch it for yourself. fight for his life, there's something drawing him into this divine space, this divine place for this bigger meaning. It's one of my favorite scenes just for that point. And I won't point out that there's something really off in this scene because there are 75 kids singing in a choir in an incredible old cathedral, and there are no parents and grandparents there taking videos, right? There's nobody there. They just randomly drop their kids off to sing in an empty church, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, But if you can get past that, there is a thing in the emptiness of our souls, and that's kind of the church represents kind of this big, empty, echoey soul. There's this thing in us that's drawn to something greater, something higher, something more beautiful, something more profound, something sacred. This season is designed in the emptiness of a lot of stuff that flows around outside of us and a lot of the the, the silly songs and the promotions and all the, there's something in that world for us that is drawn to that quiet, sacred stillness. So we go back to the oppressed, occupied people 2,000 years ago in the hills of Bethlehem. And in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, we'll read, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly... 
Then, the scripture says, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They get the news. They go to see it's really him. It's the Messiah, the Savior, the Prince of Peace for every person, for every heart. There's a wild excitement that all of this anticipation and longing has been realized. And it isn't just for them. Think of the the characters in the story as we read through it. The magi, wise scholarly men, the shepherds, simple men left to tend sheep, Mary, an unwed, probably teenage mother. Jesus arrives and he extends the the fulfillment of longing beyond just a certain class, beyond just a certain education, beyond a certain socioeconomic level, beyond beyond the people who had their lives together versus those who were were just kind of out in the mud. Jesus arrives and extends his kingdom to uneducated fishermen and a traitorous tax collector and a religious zealot. These are his followers. Women in a time when they were seen as lesser, children in a time where they weren't seen at all, Jesus shows up and extends his kingdom, his grace, his goodness, his peace, his hope, his joy into every heart. So this is the season for you and I when loneliness and grief roar louder. If you know someone who has been grieving recently, it is louder today than it has been in any time in recent months. Because as the holidays draw near, we know who's not there. When anxiety and exhaustion tend to grow, we long for a moment like this. We long to, like Kevin McAllister, walk into a place and experience just a moment of peace and solemn, sacred life. A little like the shepherds from the fields, many of us are weary weary of waiting, weary of the job in front of us, weary of the thing we've been cast to do but still hopeful for something holy, for something sacred, for something that brings peace. And so Jesus arrives, and like Mary, we treasure in our hearts that the Lord is near. We treasure in our hearts that there is something undeniable in our midst. And not only undeniable, it's not just something, it's someone, someone who sees us, someone who knows us, who knows our needs, who's walked our path. And in this moment, in the Christmas season, we know that God sent Jesus, that God became flesh so that we might be known truly in order that we might connect and reconnect with our most sacred longing. We were longing all this time to be made whole again and to be loved even in our brokenness. As we finish the last bit, I'm going to invite the choir to come back up and get situated on the stage as we continue with the service. But as they're coming up, I want to read from Colossians. The book of Colossians says this about our longings and what God has done. It says, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, and yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault." Our deepest longing is to be made whole again, to be loved in our brokenness. And the Bible says that Jesus makes us clean. Jesus loves us in our darkest days. Jesus brings us into the light of his love. Your greatest longings are fulfilled in nothing less than Jesus. And it's overwhelming. And so we have to sometimes make it about lesser things as as humans. It's overwhelming to be loved like that. And so we make it about something less, something more approachable, something I can wrap my head around. It's impossible for us to fully grasp just how much we are loved. And that's what the Christmas season brings back every year, is we get to say, not tonight. Tonight I won't make it about less. I won't make it about something less. I won't dumb it down. I won't diminish it. I will recognize that the God of the universe loved me so much that in Jesus, our deepest desires are met and our greatest longings are fulfilled. That he came to know us, he lived among us, he died for us. And the reason, like the shepherds, that we fall on our knees before Jesus, the reason, like the angels, that we sing of his glory, the reason, like Mary, that we treasure this season is that God knows us inside and out and still loves us beyond our wildest imagination. He knows your darkest thoughts, he knows your worst deeds, and still chose to come rescue you. In a world where love comes and goes, where longings once fulfilled seem to fade under the weight of the world and sin, Jesus has already answered your heart's deepest cry. If our longing is to be truly known and loved, if our, if our greatest hope is that it might be true, not just now, but forever. Then listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans. I'm now convinced, he says, that nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. All that you want for Christmas, all that you want with your days, all that you want with your life, exists in the person of Jesus. And all that you long for, all that you yearn for, all that you hope for is in him. And it simply requires that you come to him, that you come before him, that you accept him, that you believe, and you say, I'll follow you because in you there's hope and in you there's joy. The deepest longings of your heart, the all you want for Christmas moment, it's here and it's now and it's up to you to say, yes, I accept it. Because tonight for you can be what it is for us. It can be a really holy night, a divine night, a night you'll never forget.